Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the Internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too. Like finding the right therapist fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Hello everyone and welcome once again to The Phantom Zone, your one-stop shop for all things nerdy. If you like what you hear today, you can listen to our other episodes on a whole range of nerdy topics now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and now on SoundCloud. My name is Chris Buick and I am thankfully joined once again by my friend and fellow nerd, been by my side for so many episodes recently, Toby. How are you, Toby? Hello there. I am Mr. Reliable. You are. I'm very glad you're here. Do the podcast only. No one else. I know. He is. You're a complete flake in all our aspects of life. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I I, I doubt that's true at all. I feel like you are the stalwart of this part. You are the pillar that keeps us strong. Oh, yeah. I just yeah. like to hear myself talk later on when I uh, listen to these back. So it's 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 all just for my own benefit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You you are you are a narcissist. You are just listening back. <laughs> I mean, I don't know about you, but I hate listening to myself back. And I, and I edit this podcast. It is it's awful. <laughs> it, it was very jarring to start with, but uh, now I'm just like, oh, dear, that was a very good joke, Toby. <laughs> oh, I'm so witty. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's weird because I've never really said this about the editing process, but uh, obviously when you're editing, you can see like the voice tracks for everyone. So everyone's yeah. got one. So like everyone's very distinct. I can I know you guys very well by your voice tracks. So I can like, oh, like okay. my Ninny and Spikes are a bit higher than everyone yeah. else's. You and Simone are a bit more softly, more assuredly spoken. Whereas you're like, and another thing. <laughs> It just takes a spike up, and I'm like, okay. So I just know I can just see signatures where people are speaking, and I. That's it's, cool. It's cool. I will, when we get to, we are getting together very shortly to so yeah. to to record an episode live. 
see how that goes. So we'll, we'll look into that. Anyway, people don't care about this stuff. So yeah. <laughs> let's move on to what people do care about. We are here this week to discuss the utterly phenomenal Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse, which hit cinemas last week. A very highly anticipated sequel to 2018's equally phenomenal Into the Spider-Verse. So in in Into the Spider-Verse, five years ago, we saw our main man, Miles Morales, be imbued with the powers of Spider-Man after being bitten by a radioactive spider, as you do. Having to harness his new powers while teaming up with alternate versions of himself, who have entered his reality from other dimensions to put a stop to King's pin, Kingpin's plans. There, there was a lot going on in that film. Yes. What, it, what it then did was open up the whole can of worms. So now, in Across the Spider-Verse, after reuniting with Gwen Stacy, Brooklyn's full-time friendly neighborhood Spider-Man is catapulted across the multiverse where he encounters even more Spider-People in the Spider-Society all charged with protecting the multiverse's very existence. But when the heroes clash on how to handle a new threat, Miles finds himself pitted against the other Spider-Men and women and people and must set out on his own to save those he loves most against all the odds. So I'm just going to get this out of the way now. Uh, Toby and I are going to be like two giddy schoolboys on a sugar high for the next yeah. hour or so. So yeah. we're, we're not even going to try and be cool about this. No, <laughs> no there's no subtlety here. This there's is no subtlety. So we, we are fully in. So we're not even going to bother ranking, rating this at the end because there's no point. But um, we both absolutely love this one, didn't we? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the first one had a huge bar set. Yeah. It was just, I mean... I've made it clear every single time animation is just one of my favorite things of all time. And the first one into the Spider-Verse was just such a treat. Well, nowhere. weirdly, you've managed to seamlessly segue into my first question for you, oh. which was going to be uh, in some kind of effort to structure this podcast for at least five minutes before we just <laughs> go, go nuts. Um, I wanted to ask you about the lead up to this film, because obviously part once uh, yeah. into the Spider Verse had such an impact, and it came out of nowhere because I don't think anyone was expecting no, no what that was. Do you remember what it was like the first time you saw Into the Spider Verse, and then as a result, what that meant for your expectations for this film? Well, it was what it was two thousand eighteen. Yeah. So I mean, we were already that was before in, in, in the before times. In the before times of the long, long ago, before Infinity War. Yes. So. I think that was, you know, it was a perfect time because it was really sort of in that window where everyone was really excited about Infinity War and this kind of just blew everyone's minds and blew everyone's socks off in the lead up to it because we were just like, everyone was focused on Infinity War. We kind of thought, oh yeah, this this new Spider-Man movie, that'd be quite cool. But it, I mean, for me, I feel like this Into the Spider-Verse completely overshadowed Infinity War. I loved Infinity War, but it totally overshadowed it because... Being an animation movie, being a Spider-Man movie, two very high up rankings in my sort of uh, viewership, and I've kind, although saying that, I kind of felt that we were treading water with the Tom Holland movies. I think No Way, uh, uh, Far From Home, and uh, Homecoming, and things like that were a little bit soft. Although No Way Home. I'm getting lost on which ones they are now. Far From Home was the one with Hall, and that came out after Endgame. So yeah, so right. the first Spider-Man movie, Homecoming, I felt that that really didn't hit for me. I felt like it was a watered-down Spider-Man. 
and Into the Spider-Verse was just everything I was wanting in a Spider-Man movie. And I'd read the Spider-Men comic books, which is loosely sort of um, inspired by where mm. Peter and Pete Miles sort of meet up. And it's it's more based on Mysterio's actions, which I thought might lead into uh, Far From Home, but it didn't really sort of culminate in that. I think they alluded to it, but I think they were leaving the multiverse for Into the Spider-Verse. And, oh man, just the music, the score, the the animation styles, the characters, everything just hit. It was just such a good movie. I, and then you've got this new Across the Spider-Verse, which has just been on the top of my list of films I wanted to see for the past five years. And God damn, did it deliver. It was amazing. So good. Yeah, I think the very, very clear point now was when this landed, we immediately were like, right, and we knew, and at that point, a sequel had already been kind of announced. We knew yep. nothing about it, but we were like, whatever it is, put it in front of my eyeballs right now because oh, yeah. this is this, it was fantastic. And for me, the only expectation I had of this was the fact that I knew it was being made by Phil Lord and Christopher Miller. Yeah, he'd obviously done uh, you know Twenty One to Jump Street, which are great films, the Lego yep. Movie films. You know, even Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs is you know an entertaining film. You know, so they yep. had track record. It was like. Oh, taking on a Spider-Man film and it's going to be out. I was like, what's this going to be? But so I was like, oh, well, at least it's in good hands. But at the same time, it's a Sony project. Best one. Yeah. World. There's Spider-Man, Spider-Verse films haven't been anywhere near up to scratch as they should have been. Yeah. At that point. Um, so I was like, okay, so you could see it kind of both ways, but my God, did they just go, nah, drop the mic. Here you go. Film of the year that year. I, I I agree. As much as Infinity War was a landmark, not just for the MCU, but in cinema and in, in superhero cinema for yeah. what it meant as an actual superhero entity as a film, I think Spider Verse really just upped it for that, and yeah, it just completely blew me away. Completely yeah, and, blew me away. and everything was just so like everything just had so much depth to it, like all the worlds, all the characters. Everyone got a minute to shine and they just up the ante with across the spider verse mm. and everything just gets dialed up to 11. And I, I don't think that there's a beat that misses really. No, yeah, it's, I, it's I, so well executed. And for me, cause I'm, I, I'm, I'm actually not one of those people who'd be like, when I see a film, we'll go out and actively try and get people to watch that film because yeah. I don't like it when people do it to me for some reason. <laughs> so I don't go all about it. But when I saw Spider Man, I was just like, oh my God, you need to see this film. Yeah. yeah. And even people are like, I knew who would in no way probably even warm to it because they don't like superheroes or animation. I'd be like, no, seriously, it is genius. It's so yeah. good. Um, but yeah, so obviously we waited five years patiently or not so much if you're yeah. us. Um, and now here we are. We have Across the Spider-Verse. We both saw it this weekend. Uh, what? How, how blown away were you? I mean, it's hard to put into words, right? Oh, it's, like you say, yeah, it is hard to put into words. I, I mean, it's more just like, oh my God! It was just a feast for the eyes. You know, as soon as... One of my favorite qualities of the first film was the, the intro with the uh, approved by the Comic Codes Authority. Yes. And then they do it again. I was like, yes, we're right back at it. You know, they're, they're, they're not missing anything. And you get the phenomenal... I, and I, 
quite a bold opening, starting with Gwen's backstory. Oh yeah, to, yeah. Sort of jumping in straight to Miles, you know, because that's that's where I thought it was going to go. I thought Miles was going to do the recap, and then we're going to move into the movie. Yeah, but they totally throw it left field by having a little mini recap by Gwen, and then you go into her backstory, and it's the le- at least sort of the first 15, 20 minutes is her origin story and where she gets to in all the the, the craziness in Across the Spider-Verse. And I think it's a really bold opening, and that was just a gorgeous sequence. It is when you've brought in an audience from one character, Miles Morales, and then you yeah. don't start your sequel with that character. It can be a lot of people going, hold on, what's going on here? Yeah. Because I think even for me, that was a, there was a lot of that. I was like, oh, we're, we're starting with Gwen. And, yeah. it's, and it's not, it's, you know, obviously there's some fun elements to it, some action, but there's also a real depth to the emotional story she has with the relationship with her dad in yeah. that opening 20 minutes. And it's quite a long prologue, if that's what yeah. they call it, because because it, it's only when the credits appeared, I was like, oh my God, we haven't even started. Really. Yeah. Yeah. And, and a lot happens in that 20 minutes, but it's, it's vital to, I think they made the right choice to do that in order to set up the premise of how this film will work in terms of how they navigate the multiverse, what Gwen's about, what she's been doing since yeah. Into the Spider-Verse. And, and, and when you've watched it and you get to that point where the credits, the opening credits start, you start to think, oh, actually it was essential that we see why Gwen, yeah. where Gwen is first before we can then see why Miles hasn't been in that. So yeah. what he's missing out on. And whilst Miles is technically the lead of the film, it's kind of a split story of the two characters. You know, Gwen is every bit a central character, if not a, a, a central, a secondary lead as Miles is. You know, it's her story from her perspective leading into his narrative yeah. And it's, it's how those two worlds meet and how those two sort of coalesce into how the the overall film moves. Because it's realistically, the, the ball bearings of the film are very simple. You know, it's a very simple premise, but there's so many twists and turns and there's so much depth and character driven story in this. It, it just becomes so much broader as you move on through the film. Yeah. And as you progress, there's turning points that you kind of expect it to sort of take in a certain way and they don't subvert that so much as they well i mean i guess they do subvert it in a way but they they kind of tweak your expectations a little bit and it's there's just a lot of bold choices and i think just um there's a lot of qualities where i feel that they're kind of answering to the naysayers about miles as a character mm-hmm. very much early on in his sort of foray when he was introduced as spider-man back in the day um and i i mean if miles hasn't proved himself by now as being one of the the tip top spider-men in the universe out there uh, what more can you get out of this it's so goddamn good exactly exactly and i like as well you're right there's a lot of bold choices in this film but when you actually step back to look at it all in retrospect as to it really is they're not just bored of very intelligent choices and they're obviously yeah. there to tell the story in a unique way for example when in again in the opening when gwen reveals to her her dad that she is who she is the i want to say rejection of her from him or rejection of who she's revealed herself to be kind of sets us up to have a have it in the back of our minds that when miles is travesty trying to balance his, his 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 personal life and his superhero life. Yeah. 
you get a lot of people, well, why don't you just tell your parents? I mean, they're your parents. Surely they understand. Well, that shows you in the first 20 minutes that it can't, it might not go that way. Yeah. So she is, to him, the warning that just because you think people might not be as accepting of you as you think. And that's a really interesting thing because, again, a lot of people will be like, oh, surely there would just be, you know, it wouldn't, how, what, how bad would it be if they knew? It's like, well, it could be bad. It could be really bad. Yeah. It could ruin everything, which is where he gets that trepidation from. And I think no superhero films don't tend to go down that route. They just keep their identity for the sake of keeping their identity. And I think it's really done really well in that. Yeah, and I mean, it, there's a very telling sentence in in the film where Miles. I mean, I won't go too much into spoilers straight away, but um, sort of later on, where there is a um, a quality of where he's trying to come clean to his mother, and he says the line, "I didn't know whether or not you'd love me the same." Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and I'm I'm sure that I mean, people on maybe the gay uh, gay actually would be able to tell you sort of more educated than I am. But I, I'm sure like superheroes in this secret identity, it's always a very strong metaphor for sort of the LGBTQ plus. And I'm sure there's so many sort of similarities in that sort of technical side of things where you've got this dual life and I can see where the superhero quality can kind of relate to a lot of those people's because it's, it's coming true with people in your life and it's accepting a part yeah. of you that yeah. is, it, you're keeping a secret. Yeah, and this, this is they, me. Yeah, and they love you for what they're seeing, but that might not really be who you are underneath. And so I, 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 there's a lot more depth to it, and I can see where it can really sort of parallel in certain people's lives. And like I said, I'm, I'm sure there's far more educated people out there who can sort of go deeper into that. But I thought there's some very poignant lines like that where I don't know where I, if you'd love me the same. That's, that's just quite a heavy line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think, the, well, the film is obviously entertaining looks gorgeous is in every essence a spider-man film you'd want from a escapism superhero kind of film it has so many deep well thought out themes running through it obviously the the idea of identity and what that means you know obviously superheroism is is the the front of for this film but ties into what you just said identity can mean many different things and being accepted for that this film really allows room for that to breathe on a different on you know for different characters and different perceptions of that it's also got things about trust so you know um having characters having like some of the characters having peter's back you know having his parents trust that he he is capable of looking after himself that uh, yeah. scene with his mother about you know she she basically like lets him sees him as a, a growing a, a starting to grow as a man and, yeah. and saying you know i'm not going to be there to look after you but you need to look after you and that kind of you know coming of age trust kind of theme and then obviously the bigger pieces like destiny fate what does this mean yeah. you know when your role in the in the universe you know really big questions you know yeah. for a spider-man film that in a, sh- a relatively short space of time traverses yeah. are not just very deeply and poignantly but respectfully as well i think yeah. i think it's a it's a very clever um story beat in the movie where you've got miles uh, parents so kind of the intro to spot and it's sort of the intro to, to miles back into the movie mm. is where he's trying to get to his mum and dad at a school counselor's office mm. 
And that whole setting, as soon as he gets in there, it's the conversation about what's your story. Yeah. And whilst it's technically about him getting into college and what his story is for his application to get into college, it's really the metaphor for what's your story and what's your destiny in this. Yeah. Because the the central theme to this narrative in terms of where the conflict lies, uh, particularly with the spider society, is how destiny and fate is laid out for you and whether or not you go along with it and you accept it Mm -hmm. because it is written in stone, so to speak, or whether or not in Miles's case, you say to hell with that. That's not the way I do things. That might be how it's set in stone for you guys. But like he says, nah, I think I'm going to do my own thing. thing. Exactly. And I think as well with the, um, because he's basically told by Miguel O'Hara later on that his existence as Spider-Man is, you know, that version was a mistake because the spider that bit him wasn't meant to be in his universe. So he's basically being told that you are not meant to be who you are. And that is, again, a massive metaphor for, you know, people who have been, who get told every time that you are not, you're never going to be this person. You you are not supposed to be this person. But like you said, Miles just goes, nah, I'm going to, I'm going to make my own choices and I'm going to make my own destiny, which, really ties into the whole, I guess, is destiny or fate what you make it? Is it predetermined? Yeah. And the film, the film really balances that well. And I guess let's, let's us determine that as well, but also yeah. lets its characters determine it on their own terms. It's not a fixed, it's not a fixed answer for any of the characters because they no. all make their own choices, even though and, they all seem predestined to not. Yeah, and, it, and it, it sets him apart from the rest. So whilst he's the anomaly, it, it kind of goes to show why he may be the anomaly because he he doesn't just go with the flow on that and he sees a different route Mm. you know he sees i think it's kind of interesting because he was always a fan of spider-man before becoming spider-man yeah so he's kind of got the idea in his mind that well this is what spider-man's supposed to be you know we can do both we can save the day and we can save the people we love and we can have it all why shouldn't we? We're Spider-Man. We're superheroes. We should be able to do this. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be some cost to that decision maybe down the line in um, the next Spider-Verse. Beyond Spider-Verse. We'll have to wait and see. But in terms of the here and now and in this story, you know, he, he, the, the, his message is very much like, no, I'm, I'm going to find my own way. I'm going to pave my own road. And it, oh man, it's such a it's such a great story, and it it it's so rewarding to watch this whole film transpire. The only negative is the fact that we have to wait eight nine months to watch the next I, one. I know, I know. At least it's not at least it's not five years. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah, I immediately did when I was like, I'm pretty sure it's coming out next year, but I need to be sure. <laughs> and yeah, you know, beyond the Spider Man, something comes out in March next year. Um, before we get into the, you know, the the the, the lead into that, and obviously yeah. where this film goes, I want to go back and talk a little bit about Spot, who you brought up before. Yeah. So obviously that whole sequence, the initial uh, Spot sequence where he's in the bodega and you know in the deli and they were having the, you know the, the quite ATM comical, machine. quite quite cool, quite comical fight of the ATM machine and you know he's you know in and out. He's and Spot's not got complete control of his powers and yeah. Spider Man's uh, Miles is you know trying to deal with the fact that this guy can just pop out of nowhere. But 
Um, what I really like about the film is it takes a villain who's so clearly uh, like it almost seems like a fool, like a jester type character yeah. that you know is when you have in in Spider Man films or Spider Man games, you always have that villain at the start who's meant to introduce Spider Man that he kind of webs up relatively quickly. Yeah. And then they move on to the bigger villain later on, etc. Yeah. Whereas well, he, in here go on, sorry. No, I was just going to say Spider-Man's whole roster is full of them. You've got the, as they say in the movie, the villain of the week, which is just the, the exactly. easy, you know, he's he's the the hindrance on the way to doing something else in like the Paul story. Like Paul Giamatti's Rhino, for example. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. The guy, who gets summed, the guy who gets like strung up in five minutes and then, but basically introduces us into the film, gets us settled, has a little bit of fun, action, etc. However, in this one, what I really loved is how they took spot who seemed so ineffective and unthreatening and yeah. made him into a real menace he's terrified, and, uh, he's terrified. Yeah. and obviously the art style really helps with this which again we'll get into very shortly but oh, yeah spot and jason schwartzman who i love he's got a great voice and he's yeah. good at that kind of stuff he's second like foray into comic book villainy yeah exactly and he but the way they've just made spot go oh no this guy once he's figured out what he's about he will he is bad news and i really yeah. like how they subverted expectations for that because i thought spot wasn't going to be that big a deal as big a deal as he was no. i thought the multiverse would kind of collapse on it but he is he's he's great as a he's greatly written villain in this yeah one. and every time he upgrades so to speak well, I, I tell you what, we really need to put spoiler warning at the the title of this episode because we've just gone straight into it. Yeah. But the um, every time he upgrades, you know, it's the next feat that he starts doing because even after the first um, sort of upgrade where he gets the extra spots, just the way um, when they go to India on Mumbatten yeah. universe and he, he's just toying with Miles, Gwen and uh, Pravit Papaka Um and Hobie, you know, he's just toying with them the way he's just sort of like, you go away, you go away, pop in here, pop in there, and just snipping the spider webs as they get bound up to him. And then as soon as he goes into the collider, he's, he's just a next level. Yeah. You know, he's a he's a full multiversal threat, and you're just like, wow, yeah, that, that's an upgrade. Yeah, it's and it's a it's a great character arc. He goes from villain who's on, had this unfortunate circumstance, just trying to get by trying to rob an ATM in broad daylight to yeah. a villain who's having fun with his new powers and, like you say, basically teasing all these superheroes because of how... And then full maniacal crazy guy, you know, he's gone completely 180 and basically it harnessed all his power. And you think, wow, good God, this yeah. this is a this is a well-thought-out villain. And I really... And it's all that. sort of initially done for laughs even with the the villainous backstories like i'm out for revenge you know you threw a bagel at me and then the the collider exploded and i got caught in the crossfire and it's all your fault spider-man and then you're like oh yeah 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 sure 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 joke 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 and then upgrade 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 terrifying villain holy crap yeah yeah and again it's back to another theme of i guess consequences and there's choices you know things you do will have repercussions and yeah and it happens across the line and something miguel o'hara brings up as well is like if we don't do this if we don't if we make different choices we'll have different consequences and we need to have we need to follow a path and it just shows you that that in miles's world 
there were consequences to what what he did in the first film and you know i like that it has that kind of thought to follow through say no and something the mcu's done i guess previously is have consequences for the actions of its heroes but i feel like this really managed to do that in a really nice condensed way in the time frame that it had yeah um so i really enjoyed that bit i think we i just picked up on the artwork here something that's probably a good way to step in i mean Oh my god, this film is gorgeous. Beautiful, beautiful. It's absolutely gorgeous. But like every sort of storyline or character or event has its own unique look and feel. I don't feel like anything's ever recycled. Like you mentioned Mumbatan. It has like it feels so unique and fresh to anything else in the whole film. And there's characters within it, because they're all different, obviously. Hopi Brown, that kind of stuff, Spider Punk. Uh they, they all feel unique um what did you think of the art style in this one i think they've upped their games into the the first one had just groundbreaking visuals and this one just takes that and dials up to 11 like i i think there's like six identifiable worlds that they've got that have got basically each of the universes each of the worlds that they go to and each of the characters they've all got a visual identity you know Gwen's world is very pastel, sort of watercolors, yeah. very soft edges. Even when the action's sort of going on, it's a lot softer. And you notice that tonal difference when um, uh, Spider-Woman and Jessica Drew and Miguel O'Hara sort of jump in. And then particularly with um, the Vulture in that first uh, Guggenheim yeah. section. You know, because if you, if you sort of paint the brush, so to speak, and say that Gwen's world is more of a watercolors Monet type style, very soft, very pastel. And then you've got the very heavily influenced uh, Leonardo da Vinci style with the vulture sort of jumping in there. Yeah. Such a contrast of different visuals. And as they move on, you get Mumbatten. And again, it's, it's sort of, it's a very harsh visual difference to what you've seen sort of prior. It's very harsh yellows, very harsh greens and blues. And everything stands out and is very distinct. And then you get Hobie jump in the middle of that with yeah. his sex pistols. Yeah, it looks punk. like the clippings of a 70s punk magazine. Exactly. And it's, yeah. it's, it, it, he stands out and he, more so than a lot of the other characters, he's almost got a, a silhouette around him where he shows how different and how, and it sort of re sticks to his character where he doesn't conform to the rest of the people around him. Yeah. So he yeah. really stands out against the crowd. And that, because, you know, he goes from shades of gray to color to this, that, and the other, very sort of aggressive sort of line work. And then you go into sort of the 2020, uh, 2099 world with Miguel O'Hara, and everything seems very concept. You know, everything seems very, um, I mean, you've almost got the underbelly and the overground sort of worlds where everything above um, sort of sub-level looks pristine and sci-fi. And then you've got under sort of the the subterranean world, which looks very much more like a Blade Runner-esque type thing. Mm -hmm. But something I thought that was really quite unique with Miguel O'Hara's world was that there's a lot of the characters, particularly Miguel, had um, almost like tracing lines where they looked more like they were rendered drawings. Yeah. So all of their edges seemed a little bit more rough. There was even sort of like the skeletal structured lines that went through his face and around his body. Very much like with a comic artist or an artist would sort of initially sketch out 
the skeleton of what they're drawing and then you build upon that. So there was just so many little artistic touches throughout the film that just stood out and just felt so deliberate and just oh, just exquisitely done. It's just so good. I can gush about this for hours. Wow. I, and I agree with you. On the, the, I think the Miguel O'Hara, it does look like, you know, rough sketches, you know, kind of, you know, a lot of angles, a lot of, you know, these are the this is the framework of a character we're thinking of and this is our basic our base one but what it does is it gives him such an imposing presence and figure which is basically which is his character in the film yeah. he is he is the man in charge and he will not hear against against his word in any way and i feel like the way they portray him through the art style really accentuates obviously he's mass, he's huge and yeah domineering and takes up the screen whenever he's in it you know you can imagine if he was on a in a graphic novel he would be taking up a full panel all by himself you know and it gives them that kind of presence and i think you're right each character gets hobby for example does stand out and it does complement his character in that he is so against everything else that's going on at all times and that is yeah. his you know his aesthetic but also his his character and you know pure punk um yeah. but what i also love is how the film for example in the gwen stacy ones especially are when the emotions change within a scene so obviously the later scene with her dad when they're talking about yeah. um her again her and her i guess secret life again when we first see that and he kind of rejects her in the opening this very harsh red angrier colors and then it softens in the end and you can see it's all bleeding into like lighter pastel colors and i think it's yeah. just really good at helping accentuate the, mo- the emotion that those scenes yeah. are meant to be feeling rather than just sticking with the colors throughout and i think it just bleeds us oh, oh it's so good yeah i mean it's 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 visual 101 in terms of like film and animation like it's the age-old saying of show don't tell and i think that you could really just from the visuals alone you might not know the full ins and out of what's going on in terms of the conversations but you could watch the film i think on like mute or silence and you'd still get so much out of the narrative just from the visuals alone yeah and yeah and then you you add in the dialogue and all the voice cast just nail it everybody nails yeah. it it reminds me, I don't know if you ever watched Fantasia when you were younger. Yeah, yeah, yeah it yeah, reminds yeah. me of that kind of thing. You know, when you watched it and there was no there was no dialogue, there was nowhere. It was just art through film, obviously, yeah. with the you know, like flowers blooming and stuff, but it would tell the colours and the the palettes and all the stuff that was happening on screen would tell a story. I completely agree with you here that the aesthetics are telling, I guess, a, a, the sub layer of the story that's going through this kind of film and ter- so even with spot when he's trying to figure out his dimension that he's sticking his you know head through different yeah. portals and stuff it's all very frantic and jarring colors and shapes and it's just really speaks to the i guess the chaotic nature of what he's going through at the minute and i think yeah. they just go right they really thought about the whole visual as well as what we're hearing as well yeah. just to really essentially I can't. There's a lot. There's a lot of reviews I've read that have said, "Oh, maybe it's too much. There's too much going on." I think I don't think so. I think no. I think it's just enough. I you know, think, it, yeah. It all, fe- it all feeds into it because a lot of the spot because you know, you could almost do a, a a blow by blow for each character and how their visual storytelling sort of denotes their 
their their part in the story. Like the spot, a lot of his um, backstory is black and white, and yeah. a lot of it's black and white, and it's very stark in how this is a vengeance tale. But it also, and kind of in how he he discusses his 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 place in the world, how he's always got this big hole in him, and the only thing that can fill up the gap is more holes. So it's just, it, it kind of is the metaphor for the villain's life. You know, you, you just feel empty inside. Mm. And the more you do the evil, the more empty you feel inside. Mm. And it's it's literally, I'm, I'm trying to get more holes to fill the hole, but all I'm becoming is just more evil and more just filled with holes. So I'm just becoming empty. I'm not resolving the problem. I'm just making it worse. Yeah. And then he just becomes the massive problem at the end of it. And I just think that the, the black and white portrayal of that is just so sort of, in the moment of that character's arc and, and and it just epitomizes him. And I just think they do that throughout the whole film. You know, Miguel O'Hara, you get the little snippet of his origin story where he he goes to another universe where his counterpart has passed away. So he thinks, oh, I could fill the gap. Mm-hmm. And that all looks all lovey-dovey and nice and bright and colorful. And then yeah. the harsh reality hits. It's it's very sort of dark and stark lines and then everything becomes much darker, more jaded. And then he as a character just becomes very somber and he, he's always very much lit in sort of dark colors, like dark reds, dark blues, dark greens, dark yellows. Everything is just shadow with him mm-hmm. and it, it just accentuates the characters. And I, I, I don't think that there's too much. I think it's all completely deliberate. And I think it's all just excellently well executed yeah, I agree. I totally agree. I think everything's really thought out to give this film its complete, unique feel and really enhancing the story in every way it can, visually, audibly. If the characters, the performances are fantastic. I'm looking at a picture of <clears throat> Miguel O'Hara now. And did you ever play uh, The Wolf Among Us, the Telltale game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. He looks very much like that in character. Very, yeah. very Telltale Games-esque kind of artwork there which i was which i really enjoyed because i always think those games looked great as well um but yeah i remember so as i've told you already before but for the first time since i was probably oh god many many years ago when i was very very young i actually sat in the front row for this film um uh, and for the listeners who don't know it's because the guy who sat next to me was playing music on his phone to the point where I asked him to stop and he wouldn't. So I got up and walked down to the front. So um, I was like, okay, well, I want to be as far away from everyone as possible. No one sits in the front row, but I had the time of my life hurting my neck, craning up watching this film, <laughs> looking at it, just mouth open for two hours, just smiling aghast with everything that was going on. It was incredible, incredible film to watch. Yeah, I mean, I... I uh... I think I said to you when I saw it, I was uh, in a cinema full of kids and I was a little bit worried that it was going to be the cliche kids making a lot of noise or getting upset or making just yeah. fussing around that distracts you. But now they were just completely transfixed and engrossed. And the only times I ever saw anything that could be classified as disturbance is when the action was getting really hyped or just some visuals were going so hard that they just stood up from their seats because it's almost like they didn't have another emotional reaction to be able to deal with. They didn't have the emotional range to <laughs> sort of process what they were seeing. So they just had to stand up in just amazement. And I was just like, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like, yeah. this is, I could uh, have stood up and just clapped a lot of the way through this. To be a young man being molded by this kind of film, it's just... Exactly. Oh, oh man. It's, it's I mean, it's, 
it's amazing to have it as an adult where you can kind of articulate your emotions around it. But even now I'm finding it difficult to, I, I feel like the, the critique that we're giving almost deserve it is a bit of a disservice. I'm trying to, our best, but it's, it's very, <laughs> so hard because it's so many emotions and thoughts. The, the, I feel like this is more or less, less than a movie as it is, it is just a, a culmination of an art project for all of those involved. You know, from the voice actors to the the visual artists, the VFX artists, Daniel Pemberton, the the, the music, the score is oh, yeah. so good. Mm-hmm. The 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 choices in uh, soundtrack throughout the film are brilliant as well. Um, like everyone has their own distinct sound. Miguel O'Hara has a very sort of futuristic sort of sound effect. Um, you know, Gwen's got a very sort of ethereal slash um, light theme tune opposed to sort of miles which is a lot more hard a little bit more inspired by sort of like the urban music style of things mm. it, like, it's just it just feels like one big shared art project and everybody involved yeah. is getting a stars and i think if whether you're into spider-man or superhero films at all you know you even if you're not you can look at this film if you if you in any way appreciate the art of i guess filmmaking you can you can't I don't think you can help but look at this film and go, wow. I mean, across the board, everyone involved in making this piece of art, which is what it is, essentially, yeah, is on top of their game. And they've all clearly got the same, you know, song sheet and they're all singing from it. And it just really brings the film together. So as a piece, and it sounds like obviously it sounds a bit pretentious to say, but it is a piece of art. It really yeah. is, and as a lot, <laughs> call, call me pretentious. I I I, I don't yeah. mind. I don't mind when some people think <laughs> yeah, that. I agree. And I look at and I've seen. I've people. I've. I've. There's not that many people. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Want to get a chiseled look in the jawline? Sculpt and shape your jawline with added volume from Juvederm Volux XC. Juvederm Volux XC is an injectable gel specifically designed to be robust enough to improve moderate to severe loss of jawline definition. And it is the first and only hyaluronic acid filler approved for the jawline. Add volume to your jawline for a chiseled look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. I know that I've seen this film. It's like I say, it's only been out a week, and you know, but those I've seen, I've gone, wow. I mean, yeah. Even if they're not really into Spider-Man, still appreciate what it what this film is. Which yeah, is I mean, I love Spider-Man as a character. I always have. He's he's my favorite Marvel um, superhero. Agreed. And Same. and 
frankly, Batman's my favorite superhero, but I'd say Spider-Man's a close second. You know, he's got the best rogues. He's got some of the best stories in comic book history. And he's just a character that, whilst you can't necessarily relate to the sort of the spider aspect side of things, he's got a very believable and realistic type life. Mm-hmm. You know, every time he gets an up, there's like something that just crashes him back down to earth. You know, the old Parker luck, as they say in the comics. But yeah, yeah and I feel that Miles Morales completely encapsulates what, spider-man's supposed to be about in these movies um i think he's these films have catapulted his notoriety in sort of the comic book world far more than necessarily his comics have done because i i I don't think before into the spider-verse many people maybe those who sort of touched upon the game but that sort of come out around about the same type time of the year so the general public really didn't know a huge amount about miles morales well the the if we're talking about the PS four or five game Miles Morales that came out in twenty twenty and I think yeah correct we could be wrong but I think a lot of the the I mean they weren't making video games about Miles Morales before yeah. into the Spider Verse they're certainly making them now to the point where not only is he getting his own game he is essentially co starring in the new one yeah. coming up. Where it'll, I'm, a, we're assuming, where you and I have theorised that it will be switching between the two characters. So, if you're looking at that analogy, Miles Morales has become kind of side by side with Peter Parker, who yeah. for years is who Spider-Man as an identity was only associated with. Whereas yeah. what these films have done is really, and thankfully so, given Miles Morales the spotlight he needs. Yeah. because he is a great character uh, and it says a lot when you're watching this film you're, you're invested in the home life and the emotional moments and his everyday stuff that he's struggling with as much as him fighting villains and teaming up with the rest of Spider-Man because he's such an interesting character that has a different background to everything yeah. we've seen before and credit to them for promoting that yeah and it's it's credit to the 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 cast as well in terms of the uh the family dynamic because his dad and mum are very much more sort of set. I mean, the dad was quite central in the last one, but his dad and mum are far, his mum probably more so in this one, are far more central to the, uh, to the sort of the undercurrent of what the themes are in terms of his place in the world and how he fits and how you've all, you've got this home dynamic that is pushing him, but they're kind of lost in the mix as well because they've got doubts about whether or not they're doing the right thing parenting. They're doing too much and they're not doing enough. Where does he sort of fit in? It's, but it's all, it's very mundane family life, but it's compelling to watch because each of the characters are giving it their all and there's an emotional depth and gravitas to each of their performances. Yeah, I, yeah. Oh, gush, 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 gush. Well, let's let's get into some of the performances then. You know, in the last 15 minutes or so, we have to talk about this. So, obviously, we've got some, obviously, quite a few returning voices from uh, Into Spider-Verse, obviously, Shamit Moore and Haley Steinfeld as Miles yep. and the Gwen. Obviously, they were really fantastic in Into the Spider-Verse. You know, we, we've, we've gone over that film before, but I think what they do is their relationship um takes a whole new level in this film and on that the actors have to bring a whole nother level themselves to that to in order to 
really cement obviously the relationship between them is you know what are they friends what what is the dynamic of the relationship and i feel like they both play it beautifully i think they're both yeah. really good in the role and really you know <laughs> are in their characters for lack of a yeah. better term and they i think that they naturally mature them as well i mean it, it might come with voicing them for a second time round, and it might come with the story beats but I feel like Miles definitely and um, Shamit Moore definitely adds more authority behind Miles's dialogue in this. And the same with Hayley Steinfeld. There's a more jaded, world-weary sort of undercurrent to her dialogue, particularly from sort of the opening monologue. And Shamit Moore all the way through, there's an uncertainty, but there's still sort of a uh, more of a mature cockiness that comes with sort of those teenage years where he feels more sort of sure of himself in his abilities and things, but still sort of has that undercurrent of doubt in terms of his place in the world. And I, I felt like Brian Terry, he, uh, Henry as uh, Jefferson, his dad, yeah, you know, sort of mirrors that as well. He's got the cop business down, you know, he's, he's becoming a captain, but he's got the doubts as a dad and doesn't know what he's doing as a dad. Mm-hmm. And he, he sort of feels a bit lost in his world. And I, I really like the little dialogue between him and Spider-Man, um, miles of Spider-Man yeah, on this, on the construction site. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. maybe just, you know, let him spread his wings, man. <laughs> yeah. 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 And this, this film really gives you those moments of levity between the characters and, you know, real proper conversations between them. None of them feel like they're just, there for filler yeah. or you know so that so that they could have a plot point where person a character a interacts with character b i feel like everything and it's similar to what i said before everything here is thought out and is done for a reason there's nothing there that's just thrown in to fill time or space or a scene and those kind of scenes like you just said between obviously miles and his dad who doesn't know his miles really kind of establishes that foundation of the relationship and yeah. the str- struggling for lack of a better dynamic they're going through as Miles is embracing his new life but um, and they want to keep him for his, his old life and yeah. you know those people and then obviously I think Lauren Velez who plays uh, Rio his mum has that unique moment under the water tower as well where she kind of lets him go but realises like I said before he's, a, he's, he's getting older now but she still unselfishly sees him as her little boy. And it's just a really touching scene, you know, and anyone I'm sure who's had in that kind of dynamic before can relate to that, you know, it's just really thought out. So it's not just thinking of, Oh, what can we do to make this a Spider-Man film? This is a Miles Morales movie at the same time. Yeah. And it's, it's very much like a conversation you've had with your parents before where, you know, you're in trouble, but they kind of see the merit in you kind of living your life. So you're still in trouble, but go do this thing that you want to do and then Just come be back. Careful. And, yeah. yeah, be careful, come back, and you're still in trouble when you get home. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I, I like that undercurrent because even at the end where he um Rio tells Gwen, you know, go get my boy, but tell him when you find him that we love him, but five months. Five months. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Love that bit. It's like he's still she's after all said and done, she's still his mum. You know, exactly. you're still you're still getting grounded when you yeah. get home. I don't and care. Yeah. And there's some great home. Yeah, there's great new cast as well, like Spider Punk, like Daniel Kalua was brilliant throughout. Yeah, he's really good. 
I think and, um, that character is brilliant. Karen Sony is uh, the Indian Spider Man. I think he had some great standout lines. Yeah, I um, love the February calling when he says, I like chai tea, of course. Well, you say chai tea, it's just chai. Yeah. <laughs> you say TT. TT. Yeah. And I'm just like, here's where the traffic is, here's the next place where the traffic is, and here's where the British stole of our stuff. Yeah, that little joke there, I was going to bring it up. It's so quick, but it's so good. He had some great lines in that. He did. He did. I think. He really brought that character to life in a way that it could have been kind just of a throwaway, secondary, almost, you know, mm, should we have had that character? He really made it land properly the way it should have done. Yeah. I think they handled that really well. Daniel Kaluuya, let you say, really good as Spider-Punk, just yeah. completely anti-establishment all the time. Yeah. Even cuts his cut of his own nose to spite his face kind of character. But, yeah. but brilliant. Obviously, we've got... Um, uh, it's a Ray as Spider Woman, obviously from the yep. very beginning. She's great as like the, I guess second in command to Miguel O'Hara. If you yeah, so but kind of on the fence almost as to whether she's following Miguel or she. I, you can feel there's a real trepidation in what she's trying to in where she stands on it all, but yeah. she, ultimately she picks a side. And well, it's. So I was, one thing I just wanted to touch on that because it's interesting you say that about uh, Spider Woman or Jessica Drew in how she start. There's a ambiguity, particularly at the end, where is she kind of sort of coming around to yeah, Mar- and there's that central and it it it, it kind of rewards you in the sense for everybody because there's some who sort of come around and you can kind of tell with sort of Gwen and Peter B Parker that they don't feel that this is right, but they understand the weight and the, the importance of the, the choices that need to be made for the greater good, mm. but they, they, they don't want it to happen. And they're slowly sort of influenced by Miles's his decision to completely go against this. And that feels the undercurrent throughout the spider society, particularly sort of the end of the, the, the chase climax where sort of um, Miles ends up getting away where everyone kind of feels a little bit more unsure of themselves and mm. Jessica Drew particularly sort of seems to be the antithesis of that at the end because there's there's lots of little character sort of beats where um I forget the spider character's name the one who's using the VR who's in charge of the go home machine um, oh, I think she's voiced yeah. Stolberg but yeah um, um Margot Kess uh, spider yes, yes. yeah and she she sort of seems should I reboot this? No, because he, 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 we let him get away. So that there's this, so it kind of makes them feel like okay. So they're not really sort of going against their Spider-Man roots. They are still trying to do the good thing. Yeah, and they're kind of influenced by Miles, and that that's that's great character development. Yeah, and I really, yeah, I really like the bit at the end with uh, Jessica Drew, where, like you said, she's in, in, in I guess Matrix analogy, she's beginning to believe, and yeah. uh, you know, she's beginning to see that maybe. This isn't the only way we, we need to do things, you know? Yeah. Maybe maybe fate isn't reading. We'll come back to that theme again. You know, maybe things aren't written in the stars and have to go a certain way. And yeah. we'll obviously see where that goes later on. But um, yeah. before we move on to, I guess, expectations for Beyond the Spider-Verse, let's Oscar Isaac as a performance, I think. I mean, Oscar Isaac is... Yeah. fantastic in pretty much everything so it's, yeah. it's 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 no surprise to say he's fantastic here but i feel like he gives a real menacing presence to a character or a version of a character that we normally associate with being i guess 
looking at Jake Johnson's Peter Parker, yeah. the very opposite. Like that's the Peter Parker we know, the happy, go loving, fun guy. And even he makes a joke going, "You're you're supposed to have a sense of humor. We're all supposed yeah. to have a sense of humor." And he just yeah. doesn't. You're the only one who doesn't have a sense of humor. <laughs> he yeah. is basically the antithesis of Spider Man. In a yeah. way, he is not, yeah. uh, or Peter Parker, or you know, any of the portrayals of Spider Man. He's um, more what you'd visualize as like a Batman. Yeah, he is. A, he is. World. He is a Batman esque Spider Man. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like my way of the highway, as as we said in our previous uh, Dark Knight Returns uh, yep. episodes. Go and listen to that as well. Um, but yeah, he is more of a Batman esque, and he is unforgiving and domineering and basically anything you wouldn't expect from a spider-man right yeah very much ends justifies the means and Mm -hmm. like you you get it from his world it makes sense he's experienced the the true ramifications of what these canon events can mean if they're deviated from so i guess it kind of comes from a sense of authority that he is the person to tell you what needs to be done because he's experienced it whilst a lot of the others if any of them have not experienced that so much um, so you can kind of see why he he recognizes the importance so much, and why he's he feels that he's got so much at stake because he he it all comes from a good place. You know, he's he's the villain, quote unquote, or the antihero to this, or the antagonist, purely for the best intentions. You know, mm-hmm. he just doesn't want anybody else to have to experience the loss that he experienced. So it's it's not from a villainous or evil place. It's just he's desperate to make sure this doesn't happen again, and that that in itself is a is a great sort of compelling arc because it's not the typical oh, I just want to stop this because it's in control and I just want to make sure everything just follows orders. It's like no, I just don't want anybody to experience the hardship that I had to experience. Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and I, I want everyone to be safe. Yeah, it's and it's important that he comes from an empathetic place that you can see he has the best intentions, but he's very. He's not executing them in any way the best way, you know. And yeah. he's and he's he's so hurt and broken from his experience that it's, you know, made him who he is. And I think yeah. there's a lot of like you say thought to make that character to make that character more as three dimensional as possible and with yeah. many layers. So you don't just think, oh, he's just the he's the antagonist here, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, and you can understand why he's managed to get all the other Spider Men on his terms, mm. you know, because. He the, the 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 intervention scene where he's going through the 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 the, the multiverse and then the the web the, the spider verse um, side of things where these canon events all connect all the universe and they are intrinsically important to the Spider Man canon mm-hmm. and how each of them sort of feed into the multiverse and so you can kind of see through that story and just excellently well executed cameos and references to the other universes mm-hmm. that frankly i feel handle it in terms of the multiverse a hell of a lot better than the mcu have been doing thus far mm. um you can see where he's managed to get all these other spider-men on board so it's not like okay well they've all been sipping the same kool-aid because he's just a very clever villain it's no he's just He's he's hitting all the right notes with them. Yeah, they they've all experienced this loss in some way or another, and it it justifies why that loss was important. Mm. So it, it it's a more compelling reason why you've experienced this loss. It's important for a reason because this matters to the multiverse. 
your existence, your hardship has mattered to the universe. So you can you can kind of see why everybody gets on board with it. Yeah. And while sort of deviating from that does risk everybody. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And then you need that. You need you need them you need us to believe why they would follow him and why they wouldn't why all the other Spider Man wouldn't just help Miles, you know? And yeah. I think that's that's important. But and I think Oscar Isaac plays it tremendously well, as you would yeah. expect from an actor of his caliber, because he is incredible and yeah. very handsome as well. Ridiculous. He well. is indeed. Um but I also want to give a shout out um on a serious note, first of all, to Shea Wiggum as George Stacy as Gwen's dad, because yeah. I feel like the two big scenes between them that we've already spoken about are really as a two-part are really done beautifully well and i think yeah if there's a real core emotion for me in this film it's between those two about acceptance and you know things he's he, he's given up at the end for her because yeah he'd rather because you, you think oh he's because he, he basically tries to arrest her in the beginning yeah. and then basically he comes and says no you are my daughter and that's that's the important thing and yeah that whole moment it's just beautiful that moment yeah and i think they two both play well and then on a less serious note i think andy sandberg has uh ben wiley's scarlet spider <laughs> who's just so completely ridiculous yeah. over the top as you would expect from andy sandberg but uh, i think with judas just so ridiculously dramatic as yeah. peter parker but played really well and there's tons of other great cameos for this which a yeah. lot of, a lot of them unnamed a lot of them are named there's probably about 40 in here that you would never know who they were um yeah. the spider horse guy is like, why is yeah. he wearing masks to protect his identity yeah <laughs> and even the uh the, the villain cameos i think were one of the highlights particularly with uh, donald glover as donald the glover, live action donald glover as the that was so good I was so. Just like this childish I, I mean, and that was one of the moments where I could have very much been like the kids in the audience and stood up from my seat. I was like, "Oh my god, it's Donald Glover! It's so good because it hits on so many different levels." You know, yeah. he's been a huge Spider-Man fan um, ever since he was younger. You know, he apparently, according to Michael uh, Brian Michael Bendis, is one of the influences as to why uh, Miles Morales even exists because he was influenced by Donald Glover. Donald Glover was in Homecoming as Aaron Johnson, as a, like a blink and you'll miss it sort of cameo. Yeah. And now he's finally been recognized as the Prowler in real life. And I kind of hope this is just a, a touch on where he may be going further on down the line. I'd love to see him portray a proper Prowler in the live action Miles Morales movie that has been heavily intimated. Yeah, that would be interesting. That would be interesting. I would watch that. I think... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think Donald Glover has the right kind of charisma to carry that kind of film. I think it's been rumored before about Donald Glover reprising that role and other things, so it's not completely beyond the realms. It might yeah. have been just an allusion to this film. It is a very great cameo, to yeah. be fair. Um, and I think there's a there's a lot of really fun <laughs> little moments and f- either funny or just brilliant references to obviously the lore and other yeah. spider-man things that we've seen um for me for example when it goes to the lego universe yeah it's, yeah. it's a massive thing obviously i'm a massive lego fan and, yes. and lord and miller being you know of the the directors the lego of the lego movie. movie probably didn't have to make too many calls to make that work yeah. <laughs> you know they probably just said hey 
we did a favor and brought it in and then obviously you've got jk simmons as well who returns yeah. with his voice because i mean no one else can voice jay john jameson as long as he's yeah alive. i was gonna say is he must be the universal constant i feel like know, he's no ma- just contracted by yeah <laughs> no matter what universe he is or no matter what movie depiction of J. jonah jameson it has to be jk simmons. and i'm fine with that as long yeah, as he's, he's brilliant around, just keep he's brilliant keep him doing it. there's no one else he's always been jay he'll always be jay jonah jameson too. yeah love that bit why are the moments for you really stood out oh there's so many i mean obviously the, the, the meme bit where they're all pointing at each other yeah <laughs> it's great i mean the spider society bit you could pick out because of all the little easter eggs there's so, i mean there's so many easter eggs in this movie i i there's um there's a little section where um miles and gwen are going to go see uh miles um miguel o'hara for the first time and um hobie is breaking bits off and right behind them as they're walking through you can see the 2099 uh white spider suit being built yeah so i don't know if that's a little tease for the next movie where he's going to get maybe a suit upgrade but i mean I mean, there's so many highlights to this. It's crazy. But in terms of an action set piece that was really inspirational and kind of led into how I feel Miles has progressed as a character is the Mumbatton scene where Alchemex has sort of collapsing in on itself and it's sliding down towards the rest of Mumbatton. And he's the one that takes lead. He, He gives everyone the instructions. He's the first one to sort of jump into action. And everybody just follows suit. Even Hobie, you know, being like, I'm, I'm not doing it because you told me to. I'm doing it because I need to be doing it. Yeah. But it's just like, that's Miles, man. He's just taking charge. He's just, he's coming into his own as a superhero. Mm-hmm. He's coming into his own as Spider-Man. And that set piece was just fantastic. And it was really sort of um, rewarding to see like all the, aud- uh, not the audience, but all the um, the civilians start sort of applauding and clapping them. Because it's like, yes, you know, that was earned. That was deserved. And that was such a visual stamp, like just groundbreaking scene where um, him and Indian Spider-Man are sort of saving the, the the civilians going around and then Gwen and Hobie uh, sort of stopping the building from coming down. Yeah. Just a phenomenal set piece. That that was one of my huge set, uh, like sort of standout moments. And then sort of some, just the character drama throughout. I thought there was a really great scene with Gwen and uh, Miles on the clock tower mm-hmm. um, after they haven't seen each other for ages. And there's that sort of will they won't they sort of moment yeah. where, you know, they're saying, oh, you know, I've I've heard that every Gwen that gets with a Peter Parker or a Spider Man or a Miles Morales in another universe, that's true. It, just ask Emma Stone. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it doesn't end well. Seeing us is it's a sticky situation, and again, Miles is sort of like, well, this is the first time for everything. But again, just, going back to that idea of is fate predetermined? You know, exactly. So, you know, and it's it's just that that course throughout the movie about fate and all this sort of things and they're a relationship that if i'm gonna ship i'm gonna ship one i think it's great i i really like the dynamic between the two of them and i think they really complement each other yeah um and i just think the um shamit moore and um hayley steinfeld really just play off well with each other and i i think that those scenes that they have together where there's a little bit more thoughtfulness behind the the narrative and behind the uh the conversation you can sort of feel the emotional weight behind it yeah agreed agreed i think i am with you i'm shipping it so you know i'm happy to <laughs> see that dynamic blossom if you know if it's gonna happen I'm, I'm fine i'm fine with it i don't think it'll be as as obvious as you know some 
relationship ending or some you know relationships develop into that kind of thing towards the end of a story i yeah. think it'll be a bit more subtle and but you and you you just know that that's where they're at rather yeah. than being told and shown you know yeah egregiously that that's where they're at which i think yeah. is part of the strength of this film it doesn't need to be so on the nose with anything it it doesn't talk down to its audience it doesn't um try and you know make it ex- super you know simple for everyone to just kind of get on board they just go this is the film we're making and you know it's and that's it and it's a, it's a fantastic film and i really like for me i guess the other moment i really like was actually towards the end when miles thinks obviously realizes he's not back in his home world but yeah but his, his his uncle is there and then realizing that actually he 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 is the prowler in his actual world where he or you know the where the spider is from essentially yeah. and i feel like that whole scene with the tension the build up between like okay is his uncle still the prowler in this in this uh yeah. world what's happening what's the situation because it doesn't give a lot away and then that reveal i just think it's so well done the tension is brilliant and yeah. it really serves the film to go right this is where we're going to stop now. See you in nine months. And you're like, no, come yeah, back. Yeah. I, yeah. I 100% agree with you. Cause I knew the to be continued was coming. Yeah. I knew it was coming, but I just kept telling myself, nah, 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 nah. There's going to be like another 20 minutes, another 30 minutes, because I know we're, we've, we've been, we've hit home number of times on the podcast about how we like a short movie. I did not notice a minute. This guy. No, away. no, I didn't. It was, it was only towards the end. Because I was like, I'm, I know how long this runs, and I know what time it is. I was like, hold on, and then I did the yeah. like, Oh yeah, I forgot there was a, this because this because beyond, yeah, beyond the Spider Verse, which we'll get into in a sec, was obviously meant was originally called Across the Spider Verse Part Two. So yeah, okay, we knew that going in, but at the same time, it still yeah. cuts, and you're like, oh my god, no, come back! Yeah, <laughs> I, I knew it was coming, and I was just like, no, how much money do you want? I'll, t- I'll give yeah. you that. <laughs> just kept convincing myself it wasn't coming it was coming yeah. later and it, it, i was like now nah, we're earlier in the movie than i thought you know but nope the tv continued hit and you're right the the tension in that i knew what was coming because i i recognized the that they they um it scanned the the spider the 42 yeah the 42 so i was like okay so he's gone to the wrong universe i recognized that but still that like you say the r- reveal and the tension in that was so well done because you get the happy-go-lucky sort of mum side of things where you're like, oh, yeah, well, maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. And then um, Uncle Aaron sort of walks through, and you're like, oh, man, oh, no, okay, mm-hmm. okay. And then, like you say, the reveal with Miles being the prowler at the end was so well done. And if there's not two totally different versions of Miles, you know, the Spider-Man version of the prowler being far more sinister, far more well just sinister really just being really sort of unsettling hanging from the rafters really sort of encapsulating what the prowler was in his universe before yeah yeah exactly i think think that was really well executed i i i I, like i say it just it puts such a good button on part one to obviously not only leave you wanting more but realize that there's a lot more to come. There's a lot of stakes yeah. that are going on, not just with, you know, the multiverse, but Miles' own, you know, stuff that he needs to deal with, you know, and 
not 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 only himself but you know you know a, a version of himself that is not what he would expect to ever turn out to be and it just like opens up more doors and more stuff rather than just closing a bunch before we before we leave for part one so yeah yeah and it's, it's really quite interesting because the more we talk about it the more i've sort of realized that there's a lot that sort of carries over from one into this one whilst a lot of sequels they kind of once they've got past the introduction side of things they kind of drop a lot that, of that yeah. and then let the second one become its own piece and whilst that one does this it takes a lot of what it brought with it from the first one you know aaron is not a character that's just forgotten he was the the emotional weight for that movie and then we've moved on Mm. he's he's sort of a through line throughout this and everything that sort of happened has had ramifications moving into the second one like the whole set piece is because of the collider incident that happened because of the kingpin and all that has led into this one and it it just feels like a natural story progression yeah it it it, it then feeds into being more of a complete trilogy because everything sort of feeds in from the first one yeah rather than it being two films we basically go no it's the same film we just made you wait five years to watch the rest of it and you know that kind of vibe and then we're going to make you wait another nine months to watch the last two hours it's a six hour film but we're going to split it up for you and it does feel like one big narrative because you're right in sequels you'll get you know they'll have the events that unfold in part one which are then generally forgotten about and she's like oh well the character must completely be over it but miles isn't overwhelmed to his uncle obviously no. in no way or form he's just dealing with extra stuff <laughs> you know he's still got all yeah. that baggage he's just got more to deal with and it doesn't go away much like in real life you know yeah so and i like i agree i really like how to do that i'm really excited to see how the progress this into beyond the spider-verse i mean yeah. we are Mar- um, march april 2024 no, march, march i think yeah march 2024 so we are you know nine months away from that glorious yeah. time where we can come back and talk about yeah. that um but i guess um a couple of quick fire questions for you before we wrap up um yep. so best version of spider-man Pick one. Well, I mean, if we're going just by the movie, I'd say Miles, but I've got to say I've, I've always got a soft spot for the Insomniac Spider-Man, so it was really nice to see him yeah. uh, pop up. And oh, there's, uh, there's two hot questions, so many. I there's, love them. There's a, I, bit, I, there's a bit where Genki's playing video games in his room and he's yeah, playing, he's playing it. Yeah. It's really good. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, oh, that's such a hard question because there's so many. Because I actually I'm, I actually used to be a huge Ben Riley fan. Yeah. Um, I used to love Scarlet Spider. So seeing him being in this, he's kind of a joke character, but it's, it's great to see him because he, he, he is really angsty in the comics because he's dealing with all the ramifications of being the clone of Peter Parker. So there is that angst. And it, I just think that they really, like you say with um, Adam Sandberg, they really nail that. And I think that's really comedic. Um, it was great seeing spectacular Spider-Man getting yeah. some representation. Um, Cause I think a, a few of the creators on that work on this movie. Um, so it's good to see some representation there. Um, again, uh, Oh god, there's too many. There's too many in this. It's so yeah. great. You had yeah, you had could the, be for days. You had the Spider-Man from the from the old school PlayStation 
2000 yeah. Neversoft Spider-Man was in there as well. Yeah, and e- even the Steve Ditko Spider-Man yeah, was Steve like, Ditko. anything you could do, I could do too. Oh, and so I think so I pulled something. That's such a brilliant minute. It's oh, so yeah. really good. Obviously, I, I think if, I, if I'm going to try and stick myself to someone, I'm going to try and live it to the main, I guess, canon and probably say that hobby was just such a breath of fresh air amongst the rest of the Spider-Man. And that yeah. probably is portrayal of him is really good and he's just basically just because I, I feel i was like a bit of punk rock myself yeah. so i just i'm all for that kind of attitude when it comes to yeah. these things so i was like yeah you just kind of you just <laughs> you're just doing your own thing man and all this stuff yeah. and he is Wait, more of a catalyst than we realize as well yeah well i think if we can do it by that then if we're gonna do it by the central cast i'm gonna say miguel o'hara 2099 just because i'm a 90s angsty boy just as much as he was <laughs> You know, I can envision him listening to new metal, some Linkin Park. Oh, yeah. So I, I'm going to get right on there with my my boy Miguel. I, I of the main cast, him and probably Gwen stood out for me because I think Gwen really came into her own in this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think Gwen's Gwen Stacy Haley Steinfeld's performance is top notch. Hundred percent. Obviously, she's a great actress ever since. I've- remember seeing her in True Grit all those years ago yeah. for the first time and thinking, wow, she's really talented. But and She's said, got a great agent. She's got a great yeah, agent. I know. Well done, that agent. You've earned yeah. your money. <laughs> You've earned your commission. Um, but she's, and we said this before about voice acting, how it's a different talent, you know? it's yeah. You don't have the, the appearance for expression that can help. So to get across as much emotion and impact into a character's you purely through vocals really speaks to talent and she's got that in space well have you ever seen um because she's this is not her first voice acting gig she's done a fantastic tv show on netflix called arcane which is another animation that 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 is a that's like a love letter to into the spider-verse you know that i feel like that was heavily inspired by what they sort of did and breakthrough in animation for that and that sort of feeds into it so it's it's a beautiful love letter to that animation style whilst creating its own world so if you haven't seen that see that that's amazing arcane on Netflix. arcane is great people should see arcane for sure especially if you love animation and yeah. anything like that uh, i feel like Haley steinfeld's just one of those actors that when you they're in a movie you're like okay i have faith in this um yeah I'm she just sort of it. touch, it's like the golden touch isn't it yeah yeah and there's not a many that would that can have that kind of effect, but she is, yeah. I feel, one of them. Um, so I guess so. Last question: Part one or part two? Into the Spider Verse or across oh. the Spider Verse? Oh man, you, you, these there is no hard, wrong answers here. <laughs> these are the hard hitting questions. I I would say that part two is really fresh in my mind. I'm going to say part two because I just think they up the ante so much. But part one, I mean, you can't have part two without part one. Of course. And and they are all kind of the one story as we just sort of alluded to, how it's all one big narrative. But I, I yeah, I feel like every, everything that was sort of brought on in the first one was just exemplified and amplified in this one. So I think that whilst it had the benefit of having the platform to sort of build upon, this one has executed it even better so i i, I would say part two yeah I, I would agree however i would also agree that you know 
I'll take either. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, any day of the week. You put, you either, mean, you put either, either on. on. I'm going to watch it, and I'm going to have yeah. a great time. I think you're right. Part one and part two go hand in hand. I think two. Yes, of course, it is fresh in our minds, and we are, you know, it's less than a week out from watching it, yeah. you know, and we're, we're on that spider high. We're on the spider high, and um, we've been bitten by radioactive fun. Um, <laughs> but um, I think when when you think about how sequels talk, normally go, obviously they always go bigger, but not always better. This is bigger, yeah. better, bolder, all the bees. And yep. basically, just get your alliteration out there. Just any of those words, and but obviously, a lot of that comes from the good work that Into the Spider Verse does. And yeah. if there, if this trajectory is to be continued, that means Beyond the Spider Verse is just going to blow our tiny minds. Yeah, I can't wait. I can't wait for March. We are getting to. We will obviously be back next March to talk about yeah. the Spider Verse. Um. <laughs> Can't wait for that, for the new calendars. Um, so yeah. I think as much as we probably could go on about this for another four hours or whatever, I think that's all the time we have this week, Toby, I'm afraid, yeah. for our Spider-Verse chat. Um, unfortunately, we couldn't be joined by Ian and Simone this week. You know, life gets in the way and, you know, we're trying God to... Goddamn life. Goddamn life. life. God, just get... Um, but we will be meeting up with them again soon. We do plan on all getting together for the first time to record live after uh, watching the f- upcoming Flash movie in a couple of weeks, which we're very excited about, which is, again, yeah, not something we thought we'd say when we first heard about it. But no, here we sorry, are. Bob. The hype is real now. Um, it is indeed. But we do hope that we can get uh, at least Ian and Simone's thoughts on Spider-Verse next time we speak to them as well. So we maybe even release that as a little bonus snippet for, yeah. for you guys to, to listen to. Um, but until then, obviously, thank you to UK Film Review, who we are in partnership this week. They are always very supportive and we love um, working with them. And Chris is fantastic. Thank you, Chris. Um, if you want to check out our show and our episodes on there, you can. We UK from the USA has other great shows. There's The Scream Test, hosted by Rachel, that all thinks horror. She's great to listen to. We've got the Gay Actually Girls, Amber and Joyce, who talk about all things LGBTQ+, which is very pertinent right now, being it's Pride Month. Happy Pride Month, everybody. Happy Pride Month. Yeah, it's a great month. I love Pride Month. Full of good vibes. Um, So check out their, their podcast as well. You'll have a great time listening to them. Um, you can listen to us as well on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud on a whole range of nerdy things. What do we talk about, Toby? Batman, Marvel, Star Wars, Last of Us. What else have we uh, So much stuff, e- right? Everything. Um, everything nerdy. Anything. Anything, everything. Anything nerdy. And everything we, everywhere. Yeah, <laughs> all, at all at once. And we will all talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. And so, <laughs> yeah, we will. And if you want to get in touch with us, you can at the Phantasm Podcast on Instagram. You can email us at the Phantom Zone Podcast at gmail.com please get in touch we'd love to hear from you any suggestions any messages which we've had a few kind words which is very nice so we do appreciate that but mostly thank you for listening we do appreciate you joining us every week until next time goodbye bye bye
Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. <laughs> 